Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, July 12th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. It's Friday once again. Happy times. Uh, we have a bunch of news to get to. So Water Cooler has been pushed back till Monday. Hopefully we'll get to it then. Uh, but let's first start with the Flintstones, which is getting a new animated series for adults. Brad, what do we know? Yes, uh, there's a new Flintstones adaptation that is in the works. Warner Brothers Animation wants to bring the Flintstones back. Uh, they've really been pushing to bring a lot of the Han- Hanna-Barbera cartoons back in a different way. And this one will be uh, working with Elizabeth Banks' production company to make it happen. Unfortunately, that's really all we know at this point. There's no network attached to it. Uh, and it's just a uh, apparently some kind of original idea to make a new primetime Flintstone series that will be geared towards adults. And the idea of gearing it towards adults isn't necessarily a new concept because the original Flintstones was essentially geared towards adults. Back when it came out, it was a primetime animated network sitcom. It was intended to be kind of the spoof of the Honeymooners. 
Um, I would imagine that in this case, the idea of making it for adults means it will be a little bit more edgy and probably not for kids. Um, the the classic Flintstones cartoon is tame enough due to the time it came out that it's works pretty well for kids, especially since the uh, ads for cigarettes that came out during the time are no longer attached to those episodes. Um, but uh, yeah, other, otherwise, you know, there's no specifics about what the idea could be. The, the one idea that I thought of is that maybe a new approach to the Flintstones is taking that family and somehow bringing them to modern day. That uh, seems kind of a, of a departure of what the Flintstone is, but it could still be an interesting approach to kind of make it, uh, I guess, a little refreshing. But I know I know Jacob uh, has, has some thoughts on this. Yeah, a couple years ago, DC Comics ran a 12-issue limited series uh, of, uh, sort of a reboot of the Flintstones written by Mark Russell and illustrated by Steve Pugh. And it was a deeply unusual, and many of the panels and pages uh, were shared online and went viral because out of context, they're incredibly strange. Uh, but even in context, they're strange. And it's a really fantastic uh, comic book that uses the Flintstones iconography in ways that are very surprising and very adult-oriented, definitely not for children. And to me, it feels like the last word on the Flintstones. It feels like such a brutal inversion and dissection of the Flintstones as a concept that I don't know what is left to say with these characters. I mean, we're talking about a comic series where the, the gist, the, the brilliant gist of this comic is that the Flintstones are from the first generation of caveman, cave people to have civilization. They grew, all grew up as traveling nomads. And their grandparents all don't like the idea of settling down. They're the first people to have homes and to have cities and it's about adults trying to create civilization and the uh, trying to grapple with the existential crisis of being a human being in, in a civilized world. And it is incredibly unsettling and funny and timely. And I don't know what else is even left to say after that. If the Flintstones was originally meant to be a parody of television at the time, uh, that comic took it to be a satire on human angst in general so i don't know what jokes are left i don't know what references are left i don't understand how you look at the comic and say yeah there's more to be done here in any way whatsoever but, but, uh, but many I, people have not read this comic do you think this could be a translation of that comic in some way oh no i i there's no way to make this comic it is so specific and so strange or so dark there's an issue I know the Flintstones always had the joke about how, you know, they have animals that are like, you know, the washing machine is an animal, the um, vacuum machine is an animal. And there's an ongoing subplot about the two tools, which are baby dinosaurs who live in the closet and strike up a friendship when they're, when they're not being used as tools. And it's tragic and heartbreaking and really upsetting. And there's no way it gets made. And there's no way anybody has the nerve to... Uh, take a Flintstones comic series and start being an official Flintstones product endorsed by Hanna-Barbera, it, it is a eviscerating <laughs> takedown on the Flintstones. I don't, there's nothing left here. Peter, is, is there anything left here? I, don't, I mean, they're, they're, they're vitamins, they're mascots, and I don't think you can have people take them seriously or take them as jokes anymore beyond, any, beyond being either you know a mascot on a shelf or being like a really profound comic book satire. I really don't know. I don't know what the take is here. I do know that I grew up watching the Flintstones and the Jetsons and I enjoyed them a lot. And I feel like there's, 
nothing really on TV like that. Maybe, maybe I don't watch enough animated stuff. Like I know everybody says The Simpsons, but I don't. I, I think The Flintstones had a quality to them that The Simpsons don't. I don't know. Uh, I suppose there's. I suppose there's always a chance that maybe they could like shift the. Uh, roles a bit with the family where like Fred isn't the one going off to work and Wilma is especially with uh, someone like Elizabeth Banks on board as a producer. Chris do you have any thoughts on this like is there any way to do the Flintstones for adults nowadays? Uh, I don't know they could they could f- like but the Flintstones just f- like <laughs> making that bedrock. Yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen but I don't know. Right. Stay- you know you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, speaking of which, they're making a Varsity Blues TV series, I guess. But it's for this new QB network. Uh, Chris, what do we know? Is it QB or is it Quibby? I say Quibby. Quibby? QB? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Quibby because it sounds stupider, and I like to say the the worst thing possible. So I think it's Quibby because it's supposed to be short for quick bite, and that feels okay. like oh, yeah. okay, Quibby. So Quibi, which is uh, a short-form content streaming service that's coming out next year, where uh, instead of traditional 30-minute or hour-long shows, the shows are going to be broken up into sort of 10-minute blocks. The idea is this is supposed to appeal to people who don't have time to sit down and watch a full show or people who watch things on their phone, you know, stuff like that. So. If that appeals to you, you might want to check out Quibi, and they're going to have a Varsity Blues show on there, which is based on the 1999 uh, football drama about high school football players. Um, James Vanderbeek was in it. Paul Walker was in it. Uh, the Foo Fighters music was in it. It was, it was a big <laughs> thing in, in 1999. The commercials were we're on all the time for it and they're turning it into a show. I don't really know how, I guess they're going to do it. Like they did uh Friday night lights, which is sort of like the same idea, I guess. So I guess they're going to go for that. And uh, yeah. But what is, what is the purpose of a varsity blues TV show nowadays in a world that we have had Friday night lights? I feel like that has captured that world in a better yeah. way. Yeah, but Peter, this is shorter, so uh, it, it's, it's going to be in quick bites. So, but that... Chris, what if I don't want your quick bite TV show? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but also, Doug Doug Lyman's involved. We can't like write that off completely, right? Well, well he's not doing the. He's doing a completely different show. Doug oh, that's Lyman... a different show. Yes, Doug Lyman is doing a show called uh, Crazy Talented, and the basic premise is it's people in a mental asylum who might be superheroes, which is also the same exact plot as Glass. So uh, I don't I don't really know how that's going to turn out. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Quibi. Quibi. I'm, I'm really wondering if we're going to subscribe to this. I mean, you own you run a streaming column or streaming columns for Slash Film. Are you going to subscribe to quibi oh no probably not <laughs> I, I can't see that happening but like think about it chris you you don't have to invest an hour of your time you just gotta invest like what what is it like just a few minutes plus isn't spielberg doing something for quibi I, my plan is whenever the Spielberg thing is available, I will email Quibi and say, please give me a screener of this. That's that's my plan for, for the Spielberg Quibi. 
Okay, let's move on to Marvel rumors. You know, Comic-Con is gearing up next week in San Diego, and a lot of people have been speculating on what kind of announcements they're going to have, including some casting rumors for the Eternals. Brad, what do we know? Yes, uh, people can't wait until Comic-Con happens next week to find out all the news that Marvel Studios has plans. Uh, and there have been some rumors circulating for not even just this week, but just kind of over, over in recent months about certain cast members uh, joining the movie The Eternals, which is will help expand the cosmic side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, there's been reports from trades. There's been rumors that have popped up online elsewhere from uh, less reputable outlets. Um, two of the biggest ones have been rumors that Millie Bobby Brown uh, and reports that Kumail Nanjiani will have roles in The Eternals. Uh, with Millie Bobby Brown, this rumor has been kicked around for a while, but it only recently became reinvigorated because Variety did this whole spread on uh, maybe what to expect and what might happen at Marvel's uh, Comic-Con panel. And all of a sudden, people started running with that. Like, oh, Millie Bobby Brown's going to be in The Eternals. And it, it got so big that uh, she felt that she had to address on her Instagram in a live video uh, that it wasn't something that she and her family knew about. So if that's happening then it's maybe it's like a last-minute deal that Marvel's going to try to do. But it, it sounds like, unless she's very good at lying and keeping a secret, that Millie Bobby Brown probably won't be in The Eternals. Um, Kumail Nanjiani, on the other hand, that was a report that came from the trades, and he was recently asked uh, by Variety as well about his potential involvement, and he did the standard. I can't really comment on that, but of course I would be excited to be in a superhero movie. Uh, what gives us a little bit more evidence that Kumail probably is going to be in The Eternals is there was a recent men's health uh, profile about him, and he's been working out and working with a personal trainer because he realized that the, um, the one thing that was keeping him from getting uh, bigger leading man roles and like doing more action stuff was the fact that he was not you know, in super great physical shape. Not that he was out of shape necessarily, but he's not tone and he doesn't have a lot of muscle to work with so it sounds like he's probably doing the same kind of thing chris pratt did to get in shape uh for guardians of the galaxy um and then kevin feige uh was asked about these two and he he also just said he's like he's like those these are great actors i think in the firm right now and the additional name that he was asked about was donnie yen who has also been rumored for this movie but the same kind of thing where they're just not ready to announce anything yet and really basically we just have to wait until comic-con to find out what they're going to tell us hmm I think Millie Bobby Brown is a liar. I think she's going to be on stage at Comic-Con. <laughs> no, I'll be honest with you. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm I'm really curious what they're going to show us at Comic-Con. And uh, I, I think I finally realized, Brad, that the only thing that's keeping me away from being in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film is I'm not working out. So, so maybe there I should start doing that. <laughs> Dead silence. <laughs> uh okay let's move on to mortal Kombat. uh they once did a mortal Kombat movie i think some people consider it to be the best video game movie of all time i'm not sure if that's true or not no 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 way no way <laughs> so, some people consider it to be their favorite like if you it's go better to, than most of them if you look at lists on the internet it is up there that resident evil and i think like maybe tomb raider i think are the top three Detective uh, pikachu i think it's dethroned them all even that's not a great movie yeah. Um, well, looks like they're going to make another Mortal Kombat movie, and this one's going to be rated R. Jacob, what do we know? Yeah, we've known about this Mortal Kombat reboot for some time. Uh, James Wan of The Conjuring and Aquaman fame is producing, and commercial director Simon McCoy is making his directorial feature debut with it. And it's still a little ways away. I think I think we're 
expecting a 2021 release date. But screenwriter Greg Russo uh, tweeted, Since it's already been stated by other members of the team, I'm going to put this one to bed. Mortal Kombat will be R-rated for the first time ever. Fatalities will finally be on the big screen. Uh, you have to wait for the movie and see. So, for those of you who don't speak video game, Fatality uh, refers to... In Mortal Kombat, it's a fighting game where two players face off, you know, pummeling each other bits. And once you defeat the other player, you can enter a series of button presses to perform, perform Fatality, which is an incredibly gruesome, bloody uh, spines being ripped out, heads being knocked off, people being skinned alive. It's a, a, a brutal way to, to, to kill your enemy. It's what made Mortal Kombat famous. It's put on the map. And the, PG, the PG-13 Mortal Kombat and its PG-13 sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, are very much children's movies, whereas the whole appeal of Mortal Kombat in the 90s when it first came out is that it felt transgressive. It was something that kids could play. It was so gruesome and hardcore and over the top that Congress uh, literally used it as a whipping boy for the video game industry. It was, it was played like literally in front of congressmen to try to explain why video games needed a rating system. So we've come full circle here. The, the video game uh, series, known for its violence, is finally getting the violent adaptation that arguably it deserves i mean it's not more combat unless you're being as edgy and as violent as humanly possible i'm wondering is this a problem with video game movies that you know hollywood is wants the ip they want to they want the fans that are excited about these properties to come over and buy tickets but they end up at a, a, like adapting these things into things that don't closely resemble the original product and uh, you know, I think we had that problem with comic book movies in the earlier days and uh, video game movies like, you know, you're getting stuff that doesn't quite capture what the video game is like. Sh are we finally getting around to the age that that Hollywood is getting it? Like the reason why people liked Mortal Kombat was the fatalities and stuff. I, I hope so. I mean, well, for me, Mortal Kombat is the appeal of it is that it's incredibly violent, takes stuff incredibly seriously, but it's also incredibly stupid and knowingly so. And it's such a bizarre combination and something that I really hope they can pull off. I'm not too sure the exact approach this reboot is taking, but if they can capture, like, the most recent games especially have, have really leaned heavily on story and character in a way that no one expected and a way that are actually pretty satisfying. So I think there's actually... A really good movie to be mined here. You take the you know Enter the Dragon format of fighters from a different from different from around the world entering a tournament. Some fighters from alternate dimensions. There's a big fantasy twist, and you play it all straight faced, uh, but knowingly, uh, but be knowingly aware that it's all very very silly. I think they're they need to capture that balance, which is tough, and I am curious to see if they can pull it off here. But you know what? I hope they do. You know what they need? They need Zack Snyder. Because I feel like he could unknowingly pull that off. Like, you know, he wouldn't think that he was making a a silly movie. He'd be pulling it, you know, trying to make it seriously. And I, I feel like the result could be exactly what you described, Jacob. Oh, man, I have no idea. Zack Snyder, right? I don't think Zack Snyder has a sense of humor whatsoever. But I think, I think he has an accidental one. So, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Bring it on. Um, you know what? And also, I hope this, 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 this filmmaker... Um, McCoy, you know what? Um, David Fincher made commercials before he directed. So you know what, Mr. McCoy, I'm ready for you to impress me. Yeah, there's a lot of filmmakers that started out in commercials like Ridley Scott, even uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who is making the Uncharted movie. So uh, mm -hmm. 
there you go. Uh, let's move on to Paper Girls. This is a comic book series from Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, it's very popular in the age of Stranger Things, and now it is getting a TV series from Amazon. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yes, Paper Girls. It's set in the 80s. It's got kids on bikes. So even though the comic series predates Stranger Things, I am almost positive Amazon, who now have the rights to a Paper Girls series, sat around and said, we need our own Stranger Things. What can we get? And they they went for this. Sort of similar to how they sat around saying, we need our own Game of Thrones. What can we get? And then they, they spent millions and millions of dollars on uh, Lord of the Rings. So um, I haven't read Paper Girls uh, because I have this weird thing with comics where I don't read them until their run is finished. I don't know why. It's just like an OCD thing where I don't want to read it if it's ongoing. I want like... I think the one is coming to an end, though. Yeah, well, two more issues. You're almost there, Chris. All right. Well, yeah. When it comes to an end, I will finally read it. But, but I just don't like starting reading something if it's not finished. I just have a thing about that. But uh, but everything I've heard about it has been really good and really positive. And even though it's set in the '80s, it's it's not like nostalgic for the '80s like Stranger Things is. Uh, you know, it's more about showing that the '80s weren't as as good as people seem to pretend they were um so everything i heard about it is really cool and it, it'll probably make a good tv show if you know the right people are involved um stephanie Folsom, who co-wrote tour story four is is writing the script so um i uh, i don't know if if she's the right person for this or not but i guess we'll see i i know when stranger things came out a lot of people that were not a fan of that first season were like you know if you didn't like stranger things you should read paper girls and uh i read the first uh volume of this and it, it is great it uh is it a spoiler jacob to say that this involves time travel or is that part of the premise i'd say it's part of the premise but i wouldn't say how time travel okay. is involved <laughs> yeah uh but uh you are a big fan of this series right Oh, it's phenomenal. I'm all caught up. I'm on the edge of my seat for the final few issues. It is, I like Stranger, the first season Stranger Things. I'm not caught up. But um, Paper Girls is everything I want Stranger Things to be. It's nostalgic in the right ways. It's critical in the right ways. It uses its 80s setting to critique the past, the future, and the present. The sci-fi concepts are wild. All four lead characters, these uh, paper delivery girls in the 80s, are instantly like wonderful. and Their, their dynamic makes sense. If they can pull this off, if they can capture the comic, this could be like the, the next big thing. I'm so excited about this. I love everything that Brian K. Vaughn writes. So, I mean, if you have not gotten into comics and you're putting off because you don't like the tights, like I feel like he's a great entry point into that kind of stuff. Like Saga is so weird. If you like sci-fi but you want more weird, if you like Star Wars but you want more weird, uh, I, I suggest Saga. I love, you know, Why the Last Man, which Hollywood's been trying to turn into a movie or TV series for the last, you know, what, six, seven years now. And uh, Paper Girls is fantastic. What, what else would you recommend from Brian K. Vaughn? Uh, Ex Machina is a series about a alternate history where a superhero prevents the second tower coming down on 9-11 and gets elected, New York, gets elected mayor of New York City um, based on his celebrity after that. And it's a political series where a guy with superpowers tries to keep um, New York City, you know, it's a head above water post 9-11. And it is maybe one of the best pieces of art I've ever seen to deal with the aftermath of that, of, of September 11th attacks. It is, is that a, is that finished? Cause I immediately want to read that. Just hear yeah, it, 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 it is finished. It's done. It's available and widely. It's wonderful. All right. I'm going to get that now. 
there's also I remember reading a book from his, but it was more like artsy and poetic. It was called like uh, Pride of Baghdad. Is that right? Yeah, Pride of Baghdad is real good. Yeah, and that was about I think it was based on a true story where this lion escaped on the streets of Baghdad, and like he basically imagines the story of that. Is that is that right? Because I think I read this like over a decade ago. Yeah, it's it's set during the American invasion of Iraq. And uh, the Baghdad Zoo uh, is is hit, you know, and abandoned. And it follows a family of lions as they escape from the zoo and wander around a bombed out city trying to survive. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it's really good. It's not one of those things that I think could be turned into a movie or TV series. It's perfect as it is as a comic. But I would highly recommend that as well. Okay, our last bit of news. The Mandalorian. Uh, is it going to get a second season, Brad? Apparently, Disney thinks it will or is hoping it will. Uh, John Favreau is making the publicity rounds because he directed The Lion King and it comes to theaters next week. And while he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week, uh, there was a brief discussion about The Mandalorian, uh, which John Favreau executive produces and also wrote. And even though the first season doesn't come out until November when Disney Plus makes its debut as a new subscription streaming service, uh, apparently, he's already working on a second season. He said that he's uh, writing it right now. Uh, and that, that does give some hope that Disney is confident in the, the series. Uh, you know, the reaction was great from Star Wars Celebration earlier this year where we saw the first footage from it. But at the same time, this could easily just be, you know, planning ahead, you know, just in case it is. I, I would imagine Disney's probably still waiting to see how audiences react to the first season of The Mandalorian before they really officially give it the green light. But they probably still want to know what John Favreau has, uh, you know, in store for the the story as it would continue beyond the first season. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say what we do know is that D twenty three next month we're gonna get another preview of this. We're gonna get uh, some previews on the show floor as well as uh, in the presentations there at D twenty three. I will be there, so I will have coverage of that then. Cool. Yeah. So, so we'll be finding out a lot of new stuff about the Mandalorian soon. Uh, hopefully there'll be a, an official trailer release so that everyone who wasn't at Star Wars Celebration uh, can can get a look at it. Yeah, you you saw all that stuff, and I think I know you talked about it for the podcast, but you were really amped up after seeing that footage, right? Yeah, yeah, I was super impressed by the footage. Uh, it it felt like uh, original trilogy Star Wars kind of stuff. It had had style to it. Uh, all all the cast um, was f- fantastic in the, the footage that they showed. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what what they do with this series. Well, I hope we get some more information as John Favre makes the publicity rounds for The Lion King. But that brings us then for this week. You can find more of all of our stories in today's show notes. You can find Slash Home Daily published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashhome.com. And please head on over to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday.